Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 90, the 680s BC, part 3. Hi guys, we're just going to jump right in from Dan and I's discussion on the 680s BC. Enjoy. In 687, the office of Archon in Athens was established as an annual office. Before oh. that, it was a 10-year. You had that office for 10 years. In, in 687, they made it a one-year. That's a huge change. Yes. But in, the, in 687, Athens was not a democracy yet because we don't have the reforms of Solon. Yeah. So it was, it was still an oligarchy. So, the, you know, the, all the other oligarchs picked the archon which would be sort of like the president you know kind of like the main leader yeah for and it used to be before that it was 10 years and then they made it a year they probably got a couple of bad they probably got a bad one before you know thinking of i'm thinking of certain people that are president of the united states right now maybe they would say oh maybe we should just have one term <laughs> <laughs> or annual presidents yeah exactly like oh boy that 10 years of that was enough so yeah I mean that's um, you know you, that's not without going into all the how the Greek government was set up in the 680s, which, like I said, was an oligarchy. But in 687, like I said, they they changed it to a, a one-year term. The, so um, what did the Archon do? He was like um, the chief magistrate. The um, Greeks was uh, Athens was still an oligarchy then, but he would have been like your chief person. Yeah, I see here that he was in charge of organizing festivals. And bringing together poets, playwrights, actors, and city-painted guy. Those were the wealthy citizen patrons that probably had to pay for all of this. So the archer would begin this process months in advance of a festival. 
by selecting a chorus of three playwrights based on description of the projected place. That was like an audition. And then each playwright would be assigned a choregos who would have to pay for the costumes, masks, and the training of the chorus. And the archon also assigned each playwright a principal actor as well as a second and third actor. And the principal actor is, of course, the protagonist. So, uh, Greek, lots of culture. Even back then, the Greeks were the, probably the more cultured, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think, the, as I said before, the, there is something super special about the Greeks. And you could see it in that uh, earliest Greek writing. They were the first people that wrote about comedy. And I think the first artifact found was a, a dance contest prize. Whereas every other country who has invited writing has written either I have 20 cows yeah. or I am really great and I did this. I know. It really is amazing when you think about it, how the Greeks were the only ones that really have, have that kind of thing. I think they spend a lot of time thinking about how to, how to live and how to – and these – valleys are separating the small city-states and they get to experiment a lot. So Greek, Greece seems to me like a, an experimental area where you sort of come up with a lot of things because you, you try a lot of new things. Right. And then, you go and, then if the, and then even from there you could make a colony and try something else there. Yeah, if you're not from Sparta where you will not try new things. Right. And and that kind of brings us into why the Spartans became that way. Because the Spartans were actually kind of like the other Greeks. They had some poets. They did some colonies. Um, but then um, after the Second Mycenaean War, that's when Sparta becomes the Sparta that we know about that was super militaristic and just, you know, you don't hear much poetry and those classical Greek type things where you have more just that dedication to the military. And, um, yeah, we have the Second Mycenaean War beginning in 685, but it will be going on for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then, Do you know uh, why it started? You know, there was a revolt. So because of the First Mycenaean War, which I, I know you've also done a podcast on. Or, yep. Um, so after the First Mycenaean War, they, the Spartans made all the Mycenaeans helots, which is like a, pretty much like a slave, right? Yeah. Terrible situation to be in. So the... The next generation, pretty much, of you know the defeated Mycenaeans gave it another shot to try to rebel and not be under the thumb of the Spartans. And they got some allies in the beginning. They had uh, Argos. Argos is always there if you want to fight Sparta. Uh, Corinth. Some, um, oh, I'm sorry, Corinth was helped Sparta, but Argos was um, on the side of the Mycenaeans. Um, so a lot of this about this conflict isn't known. I mean, they even give you different dates if you read if you hear different different sources. But yeah. um, um, there's it's a pretty cool story though too. You could probably write a story about this. For a, so the first battle, um, their uh, Aristomenes is their general, and then after he he defeated them in a battle, they made him the king. The Mycenaeans, as much of a king they could have, being that they were you know they were slaves basically of the Spartans um, and at one time uh, after what he did was he sneaked into Sparta and placed a shield in the temple of Athena which was um, 
because of the things that happened, something that happened in the Trojan War. So they did it sort of to taunt him, to taunt the Spartans, saying, ha-ha, look what we can do. Wow. So, but it didn't, and, you know, in the end, so the, this, like you said, this, this war went on for almost 20 years. Um, and what happened was then the Spartans bribed the Messinians' allies to abandon them. So then the Messinians were left on their own, and they it went to a guerrilla war in the mountains. There was some pretty serious mountains in Messenia. So the Spartans had to fight the Messinians, you know, in this guerrilla-type warfare for, you know, almost 20 years. Yeah, much like the first Messenian mm-hmm. War. Mm-hmm, pretty much. I wonder what guerrilla warfare was like in the, you know, without, I mean, you always think of guerrillas today, you know, they're kind of with guns and sneaking up on it. I mean, I guess was you had to get close. Yeah. Booby traps and that kind of thing. Yeah, and ambushes with bow and arrow, perhaps. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You sneak up on, and, and so, I mean, this this went on, like I say, for like uh, 20 years. Eventually, uh, the Spartans won. You know, they, 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 they took over they, they, the last um, strongholds of the Messinians and um, but they say Aristomenes and some of the, a lot of the women and children, they escaped. Some went to Rhodes and some went to Italy. But then the rest of them, the rest of the Messenians were, you know, turned into helots and they were never, they didn't get free again for a few hundred years. Uh, we will have a third Messenian war as well because good wars come in threes. Oh, well, that's good. When is that one? Or is that a spoiler? I can't tell you right now. Okay. So we will discover it when Perfect. it comes. But the thing is, the thing is, is that at this point now, this, I mean, the Spartans were sitting on, basically sitting on a powder keg because they had these, all these slaves, you know, helots, they were pretty much slaves that were constantly going to try to get free from them. And that became their way of life. And after, you know, a few generations of that, they just, that's when they became this militaristic society where... Yes. As we all know about this, how the Spartans were so militaristic. I mean, basically, you're a citizen and a soldier, and all the workers were these helots. Yes, if you are a Spartan citizen, you have no other job than being a soldier, or perhaps uh, deciding stuff. But yeah. no, no manual labor or anything like that. Mm-mm. And how about, though, how, like, you know how they would uh, declare war on the helots every year? Yes. That's, I mean, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Sparta for three episodes. We, we covered the First Messenian War in episode 54, but I did the Spartan culture uh, way earlier. So that was around episode 35. So for surely we don't need to get into all that, I would say. Actually, Women in Sparta is the most popular YouTube video on family history. Check that out. Really? If you want to know more about Spartan sexuality and why, if you are in the ancient world as a woman, you would want to be a woman in Sparta. Hmm. Because that was the best place if you were not a man. Unless, and if you were a man, that might not be the best place to be, unless you're into that, you know. Unless you're really good at fighting, right? Which, that, which they were. So, well, that's what they pretty much did from from um, start to finish. As a man, I would probably rather be in Assyria or somewhere else. Yeah, probably. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some sports. Okay, right. So. Um, 
688 boxing became an Olympic sport in the 23rd Olympiad. Oh, yes. And this interests me because I'm actually a, a sort of a boxer. I started boxing about seven, eight months ago. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting, difficult sport. But the way they did it is not how we did it today. Um, okay. So first, uh, they didn't really wear gloves. They, okay, that they, would hurt. Yeah, that would hurt, right? They wrapped their hands, so you will see them sort of, you know, you could see pottery or, or any kind of paintings and stuff. You'll see them that they have something on their hands, but their hands are just wrapped. So even today, boxers, we wrap our hands, but that's to protect our hands, not to help the person that we're punching. That's what the boxing gloves are for. The boxing gloves, you know, they're padded. But they didn't wear yeah. gloves. They just wrapped their hands because you have a lot of small bones in your hand. So if you punch something, you know, you could um, break your hand, your fingers and stuff. So you wrap them and your wrists and things like that to keep them from, um, you know, hurting yourself. So we don't want to think that, you know, they, these guys were pretty much bare-knuckle fighting. Um, there was um, pretty much no rules um, except for a few, because it was boxing, so there was no holds and no wrestling, no like poking out people's eyes, things like that. So any type of blow with the hand is allowed, but no no gouging with the figures, fingers. Sorry, um, yeah. there's no ring either. So we have to think about it like, is this a whole open area where these guys could just go at it? But that would encourage a more defensive fight because I could tell you sometimes we'll, I'll spar in a place where we don't actually have a ring and you find yourself like constantly moving back and around. There's a lot more, you know, you could keep moving. So that would be a more defensive fight. So you got tired, you could kind of like, you know, get away. When you have a ring, you get cornered and you're, you're in trouble. Hmm. And, and that kind of goes with the fact that there's no rounds or time limits. So it wasn't like, you know, 10 three-minute rounds with a 30-second break, anything like that. It was just start. And I wish we had some uh, um, some uh, somebody had written down what actually happened in these matches. Oh, I I, I think that um, it'd be pretty brutal, probably. But I guess you got to figure these guys. I've been thinking about this, like even for myself, boxing. Some of the hardest part is like really hitting somebody because you you know it's like you, you you know the person. You're sort of working out together, and then next thing you know, you're trying to take his head off. Um, but these guys were soldiers, really. So. That, they were kind of used to that, I would think. You know, but They were just happy the other guy didn't have a spear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so, but so there was no, like, today, you know, you'll have a, you could have a three-round a three fight or a ten-round fight, and then there's a judge that would say, you know, who's the winner? But this was just whenever you're knocked out, incapacitated, and no weight classes. So you didn't have, like, heavyweight, lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight. It was, you know, that was it. It was... Whoever, you know, you fought whoever. And if, you know, you were the fighter from Athens and the, the fighter from Rhodes was, you know, bigger, then that was how it went. And they they didn't um, set them up, like, um, in advance of, uh, you know, by weight class, obviously, or anything like that. They just, you know, it was by chance. It was just, yeah, because you know, they probably just wanted one single victor. So it was single elimination all the way. Right, exactly. And all the rounds, all the matches were just done by chance, you know. So it's, you know, Bernie fights Joe and that, here, here we go. So you could have the two best boxers fighting in the first fight and then one of them got the, the, vic- the winner of that fight is hurt and loses the next fight. That's correct. And, and these fights could go on for a long time. I did... I did see, uh, I found somewhere where, you know, much later a fight went on for a few hours. 
basically. Wow. You know, or they really go at it for a few hours. But, I mean, that's also because they could get out of the way, I guess. But honestly, I, I don't know how they could do it. If you watch boxing and you think, you know, why is that guy not punching? He can get it. I mean, you try it. You go two or three minutes in the round, in the ring with another human being trying to punch him. Yeah. You get tired. And just punching is, it's tiring. I mean, I, I did uh, four years of kickboxing. Okay. And yeah, I know how tired you get after just three minute fight it's right so you know like, i i actually uh, i have to do the martial arts brag then if as we got into that so i have a black belt in jiu-jitsu oh how about but that? then i changed to kickboxing because uh, that was more fun yeah but i had this uh, trainer who was a judoka and I didn't tell him about my black belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. So, uh, so he ended every time he got frustrated while kickboxing. He just threw people. But he couldn't throw me. So I was like, haha, you don't know that I <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it, it ended, uh, at one time he just punched me in the face because he was a much better kickboxer than I was. So maybe I was not too clever. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you could have got him with the jiu-jitsu then. Uh, that would have been very uh, bad because then he would just have used more kickboxing on me. Uh, <laughs> right, until you get better at the kickboxing. Well, imagine after a few years you got pretty good at it, right? Yeah, I actually quit because I had to focus on my uh, university studies. Ah. Uh, so, uh, but there were actually judges on at these fights at the yep. Third Olympiad. What yep. was their job? Well, they if they enforce the rules by beating the offenders with a whip. <laughs> So interesting, and also, um, if the fight lasted too long, they could say, "All right, let's um, uh, let's just uh, they're just let them exchange blows, and then they would kind of close up the ring. You know, maybe they would put up the- selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Bars up or hold a stick and then the fighters would be right next to each other and then just punch at each other until one of them got knocked out. 
Interesting. I mean, it's pretty rough. So are you going to try out this type of boxing? No, I would definitely not like this type of boxing at all. Sounds terrible. How about you? Uh, no, I uh, no, I wouldn't. This sounds terrible. The kind uh, of... Who, the, the, oh, sorry. Who won the 23rd Olympiad? Do we know? Onomastus of Smyrna was the first victor in Olympic boxing, actually. Wow. Yep, and he was not only the first Olympic boxing champion, but he's also the one who wrote the rules of ancient Greek boxing as well. Mm. It's like, uh, okay, I have invented this new thing. Let's do it under Olympiad. And randomly, I won. <laughs> Interesting. Amazing, right? He must have been quite a boxer, though. Yeah, he must have been. I, I just imagined he sucked at running and throwing the discus, and he was like, I want to be an Olympic victor, too. And then he used his influence to introduce this new sport at which he excelled. That was probably what it was, and maybe he didn't. I don't. I don't think the boxers box naked. I know they they do the other sports naked, but I don't. I don't think they box naked. So maybe he didn't like being naked. Uh, he made the rules, so he could decide yeah, on the dress. That was that was part of the deal, I think. So yeah, the uh, the other, um, um, sorry, the other sports they actually did naked though. Yeah. Like but um, then we have uh, oh, the, uh, the next Olympiad. In 684. Right, so then 684 is the next Olympiad. The 24th Olympiad. And initially, they were um, a one-day event, but in 684, they extended it to a three-day event. Oh, I'm glad they did. Imagine this. You had to travel to the Olympic Games through this uh, Olympic piece. And if you were at the other end of Greek, Greece, then uh, this would take a lot of time. Then you got there and you would you would want to do all this diplomacy and uh, the trading and uh, everything else you did at Olympia. But you only had this one day to do it. <laughs> so maybe it was already a, a several-day event, but the, the Olympiad itself was just one day. So it seems very natural to extend it to three days. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And not try to squeeze all those things into one day as well. Yeah. Give each event the time it deserves. Do you um do you know when the last Olympic Games were were held? I think they were uh forbidden by one of my favorite Roman emperors, the guy who actually caused the conflict that uh, started the Western Goths uh, sacking of Rome storyline. Uh, of course, Theodosius the Great was uh, an emperor that was that made Christianity mandatory. That mm -hmm. hadn't happened before. Uh, so this must be close to the end of his reign uh, when he decided that the Olympic Games were uh, they were like a tribute to the old gods and they must be banned. So I would say 393 A.D. You are dead correct. Ha <laughs> ha! Perfect. You are the fan of history. Ask me another question. Okay, when and where were the first modern Olympic Games held? I know this even better, actually, because the first Olympic Games, the first modern Olympic Games, is such an amazing story. I've actually considered making a podcast about these early modern Olympics because they are so chaotic. <laughs> and they are like nothing of... 
uh, what happens today. And one of the first ones was the 1912 games in Stockholm. But in 1896, they revived the Olympic Games in Athens. And it's just such a mess. They were going to swim in the harbor, but it was like super dangerous. So they had to stop the, the swimming event. Uh, the, the king of Greece was like super involved. The whole royal family uh, was like, this is going to be a Greek event. The Olympic Games will be in Greece again. And the Olympic Committee, which had been working for years to put these games into action, they were like, uh, wait a minute, we've already decided to have the next, <laughs> uh, the 1900 games in Paris during the World Fair. And the Greek king was like, oh, shut up, we're doing it in Greece. Wow, that is an amazing story. I'm definitely going to look into that. Every event. There is a guy who is like, oh, there's something going on. What's this about? Well, it's the Olympic Games. Well, maybe I should uh, try it out. And he wins one of oh the Oh, my events. gosh. <laughs> like, and all the professional athletes are like, oh, wow, this sucks. We are not going there. <laughs> Except like the German gymnastic team that is like, ha, we will go to the Olympics. So they obviously win the gymnastics. And no steroids then either, I'm sure. Or maybe all of the steroids. No, or I don't m- think they knew no. about steroids in Mm-mm. 1896. Or in 680. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So we know, we know a bit more of these ancient Olympics at this point. We know that they are held at uh, between August the 6th and September 19th, probably at some significant religious time. They honored Zeus. And, of course, they are still at Olympia, the sacred site located near the western coast of the Peloponnese Peninsula in southern Greece. And these games are, by now, by the 24th Olympiad, so important for the Greeks that they count time in Olympiads. So the, the common measurement because between all these small city-states is the Olympiad. Because every city is counting time by the rulers, like you tend to do in ancient times. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, this is the fifth year of our Archon uh, Bob. (laughs) And we have the (laughs) the tenth year of King Boopidoop. And that's very confusing. So you just talk about the Olympiads. Yeah, and if we knew that, and of course we knew that the dates were between the sixth of August and September seventeenth, so that helps it as well because it was a religious festival. So yeah, that's how a lot of that stuff is dated in ancient Greece, right? Yeah, um, there was a lot of other um, events that I think they were pretty popular. Like chariot racing was extremely popular. Oh yeah, uh, this happens in six eighty, right? Yeah, that's the first time that they introduced chariot racing, which was you know that would go on for hundreds hundreds of years into the Roman era, right? And it was pretty pretty. That was a pretty violent um, uh, sport as well. I mean, you have a team of you know, the horses and the charioteer. And um, the they would do it. It's called the hippodrome. It was yeah. six hundred yards wide. Sorry, six hundred yards long and three hundred yards wide. And at That's the turns, big. yeah. So it's yeah six football American football fields long and then three football fields wide. So that is pretty huge. And wow. um, the turns. This is kind of like today in NASCAR. People like to see the crashes, but there was a lot of crashes. I would think uh, in here because I mean, they would come around the turn. I mean, the chariot would just whip around, you know. And, you know, if you slowed down, you could lose. You know, you don't go as fast. But if you went too fast, you know, you could flip the chariot. 
Yeah. And um, they, they didn't really have lanes, I also found out. So, you know, like if you were kind of lapped by another one, they, they could be coming the same way and you could have a head-on collision. Yeah. And um, um, the race was 12 laps. So it was 12, 12 laps of that. And, That's a um, lot of opportunity to uh, to crash. No. Uh, I mean, these games were pretty rough. Um, and it says if they, they – I also found that if you crashed and you were close enough to the finish line, you could still walk across, you could be the winner. So you could literally crash your horses and chariot and then run across the line. Oh, that, then you're easy to run over with the chariot. I would imagine like everybody would have had to been crashed for you to, to at that point to have a chance of winning, right? So in the end, it's just a, a run. This is probably the beginning of chariot racing then. Yeah. But it became super influential in Rome. If you think about what the Roma, Romans enjoyed watching, if you think about the gladiatorial games, but mm-hmm. they were nothing compared to the chariot racing. And Circus Maximus in itself... Uh, the the hippodrome in Rome, it was bigger than any modern stadium. I think the biggest stadium today is the one built um, for the 1950 World Soccer Cup, and it took only half as many people as Circus Maximus did. In, really? In in Rome, yeah. Uh, when Rome burns down. One of the reasons uh, during the reign of Nero, one of the reasons is that everybody is at the Circus Maximus looking at the chariot races. So they can't protect the city because uh, they're like, and, and the fire starts pretty close to Circus Maximus as well. But it's uh, the, the way they had to put soldiers in charge of protecting the city when the chariot races were going on because the city was abandoned pretty much. I mean, you didn't have so TV. There, there would be looting <laughs> during the chariot races because nobody was anywhere else. How, how many did it fit? What, what, what was the? What was of course, the? we we don't really know that, but it yeah. would be in the region of three hundred thousand. Oh my gosh! And in the in the popular races, then you would just don't care if you got a seat or not. You would just push yourself into the <laughs> Circus Maximus. So uh, yeah, that, that's that's something we'll talk about when we eventually get to that Rome. Amazing. Oh, back to the Olympics. Yeah. So um, so nudity is is the kind of the story too. I mean, they apparently they uh, did the games in the nude. I, I don't think they did the chariot races in the nude, but the other um, races in there. There's a there's a story that there was um, in 720 BC there was a runner. Who's the, he was the first to run naked in the stadium race because he lost his shorts during the race. And then the other runners <laughs> thought, well, that must be why he, he won. So then they decided to – everybody started to, to run naked. And wow. the, the other tradition is that the Spartans are the ones who introduced nudity as a tradition because I guess Spartans like to run around naked back at home. Yeah. So um, so apparently they, they, they did their um, – uh, sports in the nude, um, but women weren't really allowed to come to the, the Olympics, so I guess maybe that wasn't an issue. I think uh, some sources say that uh, single women could come. Yeah, some say single women and some say none. So maybe that's a good place for a bachelorette party, right? Yes, we also have uh, 
this story I might have told somewhere earlier. I think I discussed this in in the 720s episode, but uh, Spartan women were pretty fit. They spent a lot of time exercising, and at some point, some Spartan women uh, accompanied the Spartan party to the Olympics, and they were they were about to compete in the Olympics, uh, nude. Wow. And some magistrate approached the Spartan party and told the, the Spartan leader that this is highly irregular. Can you please remove all the naked girls from the field? <laughs> and uh, the Spartan leader was like, uh, don't you think I tried? Who, <laughs> who, who is going to tell them to not be here? They will. <laughs> they have a high capacity for violence. <laughs> who is going to tell them? Are you going to tell them? <laughs> So there were there were stories about uh, Spartan women participating in the Olympics at some point. There is a long period of Spartan domination during the Olympics, but mostly by men then, because Spartans spent a lot of time exercising. Yeah, I would think that would be give them a leg up, being how they had their you know their training from birth basically. Um, we have some winners to mention from the Olympics. Yes, we do. I could go over those. So this, uh, the 23rd Olympiad, Olympiad, 688 BC, we have Icarius of um, Hypersia. He won the stadium race. That was that was the biggest, actually the biggest, to, to win the stadium was, I think, the best victor, victory to have, right? Yeah, the basic race. Mm-hmm. And then, right, Onomastus of Smyrna, he won the, uh, he won the, he was the first boxing champion. I don't know his yep. weight class because it doesn't matter. Um, then 684, Cleotolemus of Laconia, he won the stadium. Yeah, that's the Spartan. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay, then the Spartan won the stadium also in 680. Thalpus. Yep. Good work, Thalpus. Good old Thalpus. He was the fastest that year. Yeah, and Pagan of Thebes wins the Tethrypon, that's the triathlon? Or, uh, yeah, that's like a, a triple sp- sports. And then we also get the decathlon from the Olympics, but I don't think they had a decathlon in, in our time period here. They were just starting to introduce all these new sports, you know, way yeah. back here. Trying to fill the Olympics with content. Yeah, right. I, maybe that's why it was only one day in the beginning, too. They only had pretty much the stadium race. And the chariot race. Well, the chariot races were were started too. So yeah, back when we said why they make it one couple of days, they only had a couple of events. Yeah. So even though they back to the colonization, that's probably a time like at the Olympics. I guess they you know they would say where a lot of people would, if you wanted to start a colony, you'd say, hey, we're starting a colony somewhere. That's a good place to recruit colonists if you didn't get enough from your own city, right? Probably everything, all the diplomas, all the. It was a great time to talk to any other Greeks because they were protected by the Olympic peace. Right, right, right. I mean, as like we said before about the Greeks just being different than everybody. I mean, you don't really see anything like that in the other civilizations where they, you know, do something like that. No, they they celebrate sports and culture in a way that few other people do. Mm-hmm. And it changes so quickly in Greece. Yeah. Well, if the Assyrians had Olympics, they would have been the same for a thousand years. Right, right. And they would have probably involved some really nasty stuff. 
Well, friends, I'm sorry to say this is the end of the episode. So we will continue with episode four, which will be the last installment of the 680s BC. Join us then. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.